Yeah, uh, welcome back to another edition of the content and the machine. This week, I am completely fine, but Jane is not. So, uh, yeah, Jane, you were going to tell me about that time you were in the Russian airport. airport. Well, I mean, it's not. it doesn't sound as crazy as I make it sound to be, but what happened is that, so in 2017, I believe, I went to Portugal, but the only layover from from Korea to Portugal is at the Moscow airport, which is fine, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But this is where I experienced like maybe one of the biggest culture shocks of my life. And it made me think a lot about just like, you know, how much I don't know about different cultures of the world. Because I got to, I got to the Moscow airport and I had my luggage. I wasn't sure if I had to check it, even mm -hmm. though it was just carry on like, you know, maybe I need to check it or maybe I need to put it somewhere. I didn't know. Number one, okay, first of all, the Moscow airport is fucking chaos. Okay. There's barely any signs. Mm -hmm. And any signs that they're all, they're all in Cyrillic. There's no English. And it's very, very hard to navigate because it's not like a it's not like your typical like rectangular linear setup. And it's not it's not a very like logical interior layout like it like the Incheon Airport is. Right. Um it's just it goes every which way. Some parts are security and then some parts are not. So like I just didn't know where to go. I mean, it, it, but that's very much in tune with Russian culture, mm -hmm. where it's like survival of the fittest. Mm, absolutely, no, that, yeah. that, exactly. And the thing is, is that so this this is something that I learned later. But I start off like this. So I approached a lady, this freaking tall, like I'm a 180 centimeter Russian lady, who was working at one of the information desks. And right. of course, I'm gonna approach her. I was like, I was like, hi, you know, um, I need some help. Can you help me find blah 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 blah. I was like, do I need to check my bag? And I was being like friendly and like smiling because that's kind of how you approach people generally. And she looks at me and starts laughing. She just scoffs like, like, is that it? You don't need that. Like, why would you need to check that? Just mm -hmm. go. And I was like, what the fuck? So I was like, all right, maybe she's just in a bad mood. But then I go and hand in my passport to whoever's <laughs> checking it so I can get through security. And I was like, Hi, like, and then usually, usually I, like, you make eye contact and you, like, smile to mm. whoever's, like, checking you or whatever. Or in Korea, you bow, but mm. I wasn't going to go that far. I just, like, smiled. And he just grills me. He just gives me the dirtiest, like, glare, like, and mm -hmm. just, like, literally he stamps my passport and threw it at me. And I was like, what the fuck? By the way, for for those of you who can't see Jane's face uh -huh. because you guys are listening to this as a podcast, uh -huh. um, her glare was rather dirty. It made me feel dirty. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need to shower after so this. So at this point, like I didn't want to generalize Russian like Russian people based on the two interactions that I had, but I was like, this is quite bizarre. Like, I mean, generally people in service mm -hmm. are not representative of mm. the population. So usually wouldn't that mean that they're friendlier? But... The last straw was that I tried to get some coffee and I was like, hi, excuse me. Could I have blah, 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 blah. And he just looks at me and then turns away. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, can I have this? And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then like, I, and then he just, he's like, okay, like this much, like this many Euro. And I was like, okay. So at this point I'm thinking maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe there's something wrong with the airport. But I was like, I am never coming to this fucking airport again because fuck the Moscow airport. I got lost like three times. Everything's in Cyrillic. Nobody helps. And everyone's like such an asshole. Right. And I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to go to Portugal. Bye. I went to Portugal for a week. It was wonderful. But then my layover flight on my way back to Korea was at the Moscow airport again. And I was like, uh -huh. shit. I was like, no, fuck this airport. I had such a, <laughs> such a terrible experience here. I'm so traumatized. I was like, I was quite like internally anxious. But okay. you know from my other stories that like when I'm in a 
like a, when I'm in a stressful situation, I get very calm mm-hmm. and I'm very just like stone. Although on the inside, I'm freaking out. So I got to, I had to come to the Moscow airport again. And this time, this time I was like, okay, I am not going to smile. I'm not going to be friendly because fuck these people. Right. So when I got, when it was time for me to go back through customs so I can get right. inside the airport, I threw them my passport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they threw it to me. And then the guy stamps it and smiles at me. And I was like, wait, what? What's going on? Am I tripping? And then I go in and um, I, I, go to the, I go to the cafe and I demand a beer. And when I, when I say demand a beer, I didn't order a beer. I was How'd like, you do it? I, I was just like, like for, if the beer that I was ordering was, uh, was, I don't know, like Carlsberg. Like Carlsberg. I was just like, uh, Carlsberg, please. Like one Carlsberg. That's literally all I said. Like I didn't, there was no introduction. There was like, hi, can I have this? I literally was just Carlsberg, <laughs> one. <laughs> and then he was like, and then the guy was like very friendly. He was like, okay, like sure, I can get you a Carlsberg, whatever. I was like, okay. And then I realized this as I was, I was observing. So I was there at the airport for about right. like four hours. Right. I was observing the interactions between like Russian, like the people there and then the service workers and then Russian people in between each other. And I realized, and this is something that I could confirm later based on like, um, there's like a Pijongsan Hedam. Right. This Russian guy came yeah, out yeah. and he was explaining Russian culture where it's like... Ilya, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, in Russia, if people don't like people who smile from the first time that you meet them, because uh-huh. it makes you look stupid. Because they, because they think there's nothing, there's, nothing that hap- there's nothing to be happy about. Uh-huh. Why is this person smiling? This person is clearly an idiot or wants something from me. So when I had approached these people smiling and being very just like friendly, they either saw me as an idiot or just like didn't like me because they're like, oh, this fake ass bitch. Yeah. But as soon as I returned the second time and I was like really like just mean and mean and very straightforward, they were like, okay, this person is okay. Right? Uh. So that was like a huge culture shock that I got. And the craziest part about the four hours in the, in the Moscow, in Moscow airport Moscow, though yeah. is that what everyone, everyone was drinking just non-stop like the insane thing was is it was like from 2 p.m to like 6 p.m or something like that and it's not like your normal airport drinking where it's like oh haha, i'll have a beer i'll chill i'll chill whatever it's like just it's the standard like nobody buys coffee nobody buys juice it's just all alcohol so did you feel at home oh yeah very much so so i i mean i took a bunch of stories at the time where i would like zoom into people just all like drinking like just the shots of vodka or like a cocktail or martini or like just beers <laughs> And it was just hilarious. Like it was, I like, I was like, ah. Is everybody like pre-gaming for a jet party or something? What's happening? I have no idea. But anyways, yeah. So that is my experience at the Moscow airport. Obviously, I have never been to Russia itself, so it's not a very representative nor accurate, I guess, snippet of the Russian culture. But when I heard that confirmation later from Iliot, like when I was watching the TV show, I was like, everything made so much more sense. Mm. Like my interactions at the airport made so much more sense now that I knew what the Russian culture was like. Mm. And then I was like, holy shit, I don't know shit. <laughs> I don't know shit about any other nation. Yeah. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. It's a very American concept. Mm-hmm. Service with a smile. That's a very American concept, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, <clears throat> um, every country that I, every country that you go to that's U.S. friendly, let's Mm -hmm. say, Uh, they do service with a smile. And then you go to like places in Europe where Mm -hmm. they're not very friendly to Americans. And Uh then you start speaking English and all of a sudden, like they just hate your guts. Yeah. 
they absolutely like like France is a very France is exemplary of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My brother used to live in France for like about four four months, I think, a mm-hmm. bit longer, mm-hmm. um, because he was doing an internship at an architecture firm there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now, what happened was he hated his experience mm-hmm. because. Like every time he tried to do, get something done in English,、mm-hmm. they would just pretend that they didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like awful. That's a, that's a pretty well-known fact. Right, and then you come to places like、um, South Korea, Japan,、uh, and certain other Asian, East Asian, even the Philippines. You speak、mm-hmm. English, they try to help you, and they're like, "Oh my God, you must be from America," and they're like trying to essentially,、Thailand? yeah, service yeah. service with a smile.、Mm-hmm. Thailand. So like. There is that difference. I think it, a it has to do a lot with yeah service with a smile is an American concept and b like American economic influence has impacts whether or not a certain country also adheres to service service with a smile, which brings us naturally, which is surprising for a segue like in in this podcast to our topic of the day globalization.、Mm-hmm. Um, so what is globalization exactly? Like how do we define、mm-hmm. it? What is so? What are some, I guess, benefits that we reap from it, but also what are some detrimental consequences that、right. come from it? So full disclosure, I am a hundred percent on board with the concept of globalization, but my definition of the word globalization is very much like a twenty-first century ideal form of globalization,、mm-hmm. as opposed to like an academic form of yeah. yeah. So we'll call this we'll call this. Globalization 2.0, like what we discussed before,、mm-hmm. and then we'll call the realities of globalization. Globalization 1.0 is, and it's something that Jane has brought to my attention, and it's something that I've recently come to face at my workplace,、mm-hmm. which is a bit surprising. So, Jane, actually, explain to us, like, explain to everybody what we mean by globalization 1.0. So, globalization 1.0 basically. Means the like globalization that has happened up until now, starting from like I don't know the Silk Road trade. I mean, all the trade that happened from like way before during、um, the early like the BC era,、mm-hmm. up until now, and it comes with all of the dirty contingencies of neo-colonialism, colonialism, imperialism,、um, systemic racism, systems of oppression, and. Um, all of the how should I say the it's it has the economic, cultural, and social spheres all combined into that one definition. Right.、Mm-hmm. And it's very relevant. Again, it's very relevant to the civil rights movement that that's happening in America today.、Mm-hmm. It's very relevant to Korean politics. It's very relevant to anything that's happening in this nation right now. I in this in this glo in this world right now, because there is not. A single country, modern country, quote quote, modern country that has not been affected by globalization in one form or another, and has okay. So I was reading about this briefly before I was coming here, just so that I had a better idea of what to talk about. But globalization comes with. It's hard to discuss globalization because all of these concepts themselves come from white academics. Right. So we are already starting off from a biased point of view. If you think about it, it's not like it's not like、um, there's a lot of Asian academics or like African American academics or African academics or whoever who are coming up with this theory of globalization. This、right. is 
a largely positive, like I was, so just out of curiosity, I looked at what globalization is defined as for fifth grade kids in America. Mm -hmm. And I came across a National Geographic website and to their credit, they were much less whitewashed than what I remember like learning when I was growing up, but they painted globalization in largely very, very positive light. And they said like the spread of information and technology was like fire. And it was like so important for all this technology to spread like so quickly. But with that also came like a lot of environmental degradation. Mm -hmm. It came with a, um, a sense of uh, loss of loss of culture within like these indigenous communities. And the contingencies that come with globalization are mm -hmm. can't be ignored. And they're becoming increasing, increasingly more visible in like these days, not just because people are more aware, but because it's like the debt has been piling up. Right. So, um, like just building on top of that, I understand there are a lot of, was it, I guess, uh, externalities that don't factor into our calculations when it comes to economic impact and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, globalization is very much an economic theory. Um, it stems from the fact that com it's, it, it's, its basic premise is competitive advantage. Like certain countries will be better at certain things, um, will be better at certain things, and other countries will be better at other things. So, for example, the United States might be killer at developing software or coming up with brand new ideas for software. They might not be good at programming it. Programming can be outsourced to India. They might not be good at building cars, but they might be great at thinking of new ways to make cars. And then China could be a great place to implement that. Mm -hmm. That's the whole premise of globalization. Each country can focus on what it does best. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> by virtue of that, we get rid of in, was it inefficiencies within national economies mm -hmm. and allow the world to prosper better. That's the whole premise behind globalization. And a very academic, very abstract. It is know. a very academic. Um, yeah. The thing is, so here's the thing. Uh, the ba base premise behind it is that technology will overcome any externality or problems that might arise as a result of globalization that's a giant premise behind it and mm -hmm. i personally am an optimist when it comes to this mm -hmm. i think humankind's ingenuity definitely has no bounds unfortunately both in positive and negative realms yeah. um, and as a result we can come up with massive solutions to big problems such as for example uh yeah you know i i multi-thousand satellite constellation that provides free internet for the world a la uh, spacex mm -hmm. right or on the other hand it could have devastating impact on the world like um the brazilian president mm -hmm. but the right. point is like there are good some there are there are benefit pros and cons to everything mm -hmm. <clears throat> and i personally have been focused on on the positive ends mm -hmm. things to globalization but the things that's the thing that stood out to me a lot, especially like now that I'm working in Korea and I've been here for the better part of two years almost, mm -hmm. is that uh, this issue of, well, then we need a medium of exchange of ideas. Essentially, we need a lingua franca. Mm -hmm. But what is this lingua franca? What are we going to use as a lingua franca? Uh -huh. Unfortunately, if you take a look at the five official languages of the European Union, I mean, of the UN, United Nations, mm -hmm. It's predominantly Western European languages. Yep. There's Mandarin Chinese, but then it, other than that, it's English, French, Russian, Russian, and I think, is it Arabic? Yeah, it's Arabic. <clears throat> Arabic is one of them. So Arabic and Chinese, mm -hmm. but then three of them, it's, it's being overrepresented. Yeah, yeah. 
was it? It's it's French, English, and Russian. That's a tiny sliver of the languages. I mean, that is the winners of World War Two, yeah. which is where the U- the United Nations come from. Right. Okay, I mean, I have like a, a bunch of stuff to say, but I'm gonna wait for you to finish your. Oh no, no, I actually your... go ahead. Well, because I think <laughs> so. I, this is always an issue when it comes to economics, economic theory, um, abstraction of ideas, and just general theorization of stuff. <laughs> yes, what you say, like I think what you're saying is absolutely true in terms of pure economics and in pure abstract theory. Like globalization is best to specialize to uh, to use a special. I guess specialization. I mean, areas I, if when when practice adheres to um, ideals. Mm-hmm. So, for example, China being the workshop of the world. Mm-hmm. Sure, we have, of course there are like a lot of issues with that. But even with when China decides to fix its human rights issues and mm-hmm. decides to put in social uh, safety nets for worker safety in mm-hmm. factories, mm-hmm. it's pr- was it, it's statistically proven that it's cheaper to manufacture iPhones in China. Mm-hmm. than it is to manufacture them in the United States. Mm-hmm. So when you adhere strictly to... Like for what reason? What makes it still cheaper mm-hmm. to manufacture in China? Uh, there's a bunch of like economic principles behind it because things cluster together. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Pearl River Delta, which is basically Hong Kong, Shenzhen, and mm-hmm. Guangzhou, mm-hmm. that area has largely developed a, a giant infrastructure network mm-hmm. for... Uh, or electronics manufacturing. Okay. As a result, like moving outside of that hub creates inefficiencies that mm-hmm. r- crank up the prices to mm-hmm. crazy highs. On the other end of the spectrum, if you go to like specialty products like uh, transmission cases, mm-hmm. I mean transmission gears and whatnot, like these mm-hmm. very precise precision um, precision parts. Mm-hmm. German manufacturing, no, nothing can rival German and Japanese mm-hmm. manufacturing. As a result, you see a lot of these parts being manufactured in those countries, trying to develop. R&D centers and infrastructure mm-hmm. around just developing these specialty products mm-hmm. also creates inefficiencies, which is why you don't see a lot of that happening in China, mm-hmm. India, and Africa and Brazil. Mm-hmm. So when you, it adheres to that strictly, mm-hmm. there are massive benefits to mm-hmm. reap. Unfortunately, like what you said, there are externalities that a lot of people don't take into account or mm-hmm. do, just don't care about, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. That's where issues arise. I completely agree with you. Well, and the thing is, you're, you keep saying that if it adheres strictly to those principles, no, but the issue is that it will never, it will never strictly adhere to those principles. Yeah, because we're human. Because we're human and there's, exploita- there's exploitation, there's always inefficiencies, there's always things that goes wrong that we can't keep, we can't take into account for. And I think that's something that we can't ignore. No, we can't. And yes, so, um, you know, manufacturing being specialize at that among different nations based on what they're good at that's all good and well but then why are we manufacturing why are these systems in place in the first place it's because of the like um massive colonial um colonization after the industrial revolution um it comes from just the widespread idealism of capitalism and democracy during the imperialist like during the neo-imperialism of of america's post-cold war era it's you have to come to the root of the reason why are we doing why are we even doing this why are these systems in place i'm not saying that you know we would be better off without them because there's no saying what's going to happen if we didn't have these systems but i wouldn't focus too much on just solely on the benefits of what globalization has done because the 
root of globalization, especially in the modern sense, comes from a very Eurocentric colonial mm. point of view. So if you actually go back and th so this, mm -hmm. this is actually a counter argument to a lot. And I, I do think it holds merit. Mm -hmm. um, so if you go back in time, the world's biggest economies were China and India, mm -hmm. and they were very close one two, right? Mm -hmm. And when European powers were trading with these countries, mm -hmm. uh, what happened was uh, they were essentially bringing gold and silver to these markets mm -hmm. and buying stuff and then bringing it back and then selling it in Europe. Uh, so if you look at wait, that, wait, golden, who was bringing gold and silver? The Europeans were bringing gold and silver to China, uh -huh. India, and yeah. trading for goods well, like where, spices where, and silver. Where were they getting it from? They were getting it from mass, like. But my point is, they, destroying South America and that Central America. No, no, even before that, with mm -hmm. like they were there was trade with Rome, the Roman Empire. Okay, okay. My point is, these were dis disjointed empires that mm -hmm. were trading with each other. Mm -hmm. Like these were independent systems that were trading with each mm -hmm, other. Mm -hmm. So if we were building off of that premise, mm -hmm. like disjointed civilizations mm -hmm. suddenly coming together and then building, that I think that's still a premise that we can build off of. Mm -hmm. If we address certain issues, that I think mm -hmm. we do have to acknowledge, like there was a time mm -hmm. and there still is a chance mm -hmm. that we can build a better globalization Possibly. Right. I, I don't, I'm not going to completely dismiss that idea because I also do want to hope for the better because if we don't hope for the better, then there's no point in doing anything. But I will say that I do see that as a, a faulty comparison because so those disjointed empires, they're all, they all had sovereignty and mm -hmm. they had, they agreed to trade together, right? Because mm -hmm. they had things that would benefit each other. Right now, a lot of the systems globally they're not sovereign. A lot of the, let's say, lesser economically developed states are heavily dependent upon more economic, economically, de um, more economically developed states. So there's a lot of subserviency, there's a lot of dependency, and then there's a lot of power. There's a lot of power dynamic that comes into, that comes into play in the modern, like, uh, I guess, social, like, economic, po like, political sense so i'm not disagreeing that there isn't that i'm not and i'm also not disagreeing that there is like mm -hmm. the the whole concept of empire has bastardized mm -hmm. what globalization could have been i'm mm -hmm. com i completely agree with mm -hmm. all the premises that you're raising it's just the uh, the issues that i have mm -hmm. specifically with those arguments is that um if there is so for example china is a massive economy mm -hmm. by the virtue of having a billion and a half one point one and a half billion people uh-huh just by that virtue it's uh -huh. a massive market as a result like you see american corporations catering to the chinese communist party mm -hmm. right <clears throat> there's always going to be that power dynamic i i think i think that power dynamic and that issue will arise regardless mm -hmm. but i don't think does that mean do, i i think there are certain power, power dynamics that are independent from what we had before mm -hmm. and there are certain power dynamics that are linked to what we had before mm -hmm. but like as, as a result, are they like, I'm, I'm not saying globalization is not perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying globalization is perfect, but what I'm saying is, look, certain problems will arise regardless yeah, of the absolutely. history that we've had just I, by I human nature. I agree. And I think just generalizing these problems mm -hmm. also creates other issues. And mm -hmm. I think these are separate issues. Mm -hmm. So Wait, what, what are, which ones? Which so issues? for example, the English, like English as a lingua franca, mm -hmm. I have a huge issue with that, mm -hmm. mainly because that actually goes to show that England as an imperial power mm -hmm. was a dick. 
Mm -hmm. They were massive dicks. Like India should not be using English as a national language. Mm -hmm. In India has seventeen national languages, mm -hmm. and it should <clears throat> it should definitely reflect that. Their politics should reflect mm -hmm. that. Their culture should reflect that. But predominantly, English upper class uses English mm -hmm. as the uh, general uh, as their mother tongue. Mm -hmm. That's an issue, I think. Mm -hmm. But you go to China on the other hand. Uh huh. And the Chinese CCP and how they're trying to censor American corporations within China—that's a whole separate issue. Mm -hmm. Is it though? I don't know. I don't know if it's a whole yeah. separate issue. I think that they're interrelated. They might not be the same. Mm. They're not mutually inclusive, but they're definitely interrelated because nothing really happens in a vacuum, right? And um, like India is supposed to be the <laughs> world's largest democracy, versus the CCP is the world's largest communist party, mm -hmm. and. It doesn't surprise me that India would accept English as a national language, and whereas China would try to censor a lot of American corporations and media in China. Like it just that those seem very related to me. I see. Okay. How I see so? how they're related. How so? I mean, I just told you because CCP is the largest communist party, and then so they're not going to agree with American. No, but how is that in, related to use of English in India? Because in India is a, like they accepted these democratic values, these capitalist values, and therefore they're probably more willing to use English as a national language. I mean, this is just my hypothesis. No, so I agree. Not only like, that, but there's also the caste system in India. The caste system has always so that the highest caste system, has, the caste, uh, I guess, tier has always benefited from being very close to. Um, like, the UK, you know, the the UK. So it it just doesn't. And then people of the highest caste system will naturally be more op, uh, more. They will have more opportunities to be in positions of power. So then they're going to use English. Like it just. So, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense to me. No, that part makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And plus, uh, they're, they're, they're they're a massive English colony. Right, right, right. And the China CCP mm -hmm. part makes sense to me. How those two are related to each other still doesn't make sense to me. What do you mean? Like how the British colonizing India. Uh huh. Uh, it relates to P American companies catering to China's CCP. Well, I thought this was more about like why China would censor. Oh no no American no! I, I'm saying look, but that's so that was your initial premise. If you want to switch this over to why American companies are catering to no China, no no my my I I think the it mm -hmm. prob the issue that I was trying to raise is mm -hmm. look, there are issues that rise as as that are here as mm -hmm. a result of colonialism, mm -hmm. such as. Uh, the use of English in India by the upper class, and essentially using English to to hinder mm -hmm. people in the bottom ranks of the caste system. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a massive issue. I completely mm -hmm. agree. Mm -hmm. But that is a separate issue uh -huh. from American companies catering to the CCP. Mm -hmm. Like I agree, these are both results of globalization. Mm -hmm. But I I disagree that they're from the same inherent issue. Okay. Well, I mean, I was. I thought you were talking about something completely different. Yeah. Like I like, if you go back and listen to the podcast later, I'm pretty sure that we started off. You started off saying that, um, like, what is it? CCP censoring American corporations and versus India using English as an official language. So coming right. from those perspectives, I see how they're interrelated. If you're talking about American American corporations catering to the CCP, then I don't know. I think that's a different. I, I no, also so think CCP that's a different issue. So CCP censorship is mm -hmm. is. So uh, he, I think this is the way I phrased it. Uh, like there are certain issues with globalization, mm -hmm. such as CCP censoring 
corporations as they enter China uh-huh. and the upper caste in India using English. Mm-hmm. So I think you took that idea and I think you uh, you said, yeah, globalization has a bun- was it has issues and I understand how these issues arose because mm-hmm. India had this history, China had this mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But the premise I was trying to communicate and I think the fault is on me for miscommunicating if anything, mm-hmm. uh, is that these issues arose independently from each other. Okay. One was a result of colonialism, which mm-hmm. I completely agree with, the mm-hmm. case in India. And the other was a result of the rise of the Chinese Communist Party, which is a very recent event. Mm-hmm. So as mm-hmm. a result, <clears throat> obviously, obviously, ch- the Chinese Communist Party isn't just a it doesn't exist in a vacuum. They mm-hmm. were res- they rose and their policies were a result of 20th century politics, which were a result of 19th century politics, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So if you could trace it back, sure, there was a root cause. Mm-hmm. But like in the current state of things, mm-hmm. I feel like they are more, there, there are generational ancestors further down the line than I can say mm-hmm. they're related. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the point I was trying to make if it wasn't clear enough. Okay, no, fair enough. I yeah. see what you mean. Like, Obviously, if you want to look at the really big picture, everything's interconnected. Yeah, but if you want to look at those two specific cases, yeah. I see what you mean now. Like they arose, they just arose independently from each other. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Like it's not like one affected the other. Yeah. So that, yeah, there's not there's no correlational. Relationship. I think yeah, I think the p- whole point of the po- why I want to do this topic on the podcast today is that mm-hmm. look, globalization is not perfect. Mm-hmm. And in its ideal vacuum, if it exists in a vacuum, if every, everybody was blind to the fact that there are different cultures, races, etc., etc., mm-hmm. no, it could be a utopic system. Mm-hmm. But because we're human, we live in an imperfect world. And as a result, like mm-hmm. we have inherent flaws with our system, mm-hmm. some of which go back further than we'd like to admit, Mm -hmm. some of which we still haven't repented for, Mm -hmm. and some of which have arisen recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, and these are all issues, but it doesn't change the fact that this is where I agree with you fundamentally. Mm -hmm. This is where we can actually work to build a better system. Like Mm -hmm. All these issues are inherently fixable. Mm -hmm. Are they? Well, yeah, no, they. I want to believe that they are. Yeah. Um, I, so this is how I talk about racism and this is also how I see like globalization on a bigger scale. So ultimately we wanted to discuss, you know, how, what would a globalization 2.0, so a better globalization quote, quote would look like. There might not be a better globalization per se, because that is putting the words better kind of had an inherently Mm -hmm. moral, Mm -hmm. like, um, implication, which you can't really put morality on globalization because it's just so, it's so complicated. Right. But I will say this. So with racism, it's like racism will always come down to a power issue mm-hmm. and power issues, power dynamics will exist throughout human interaction in any sort of like any way, shape or form. Cause that's just who we are as human beings. Right. So in order to not solve, but in order to improve, improve. the situation of people who are oppressed by a certain racist system, you have to take that power away from the people in power. There has to be a change in power. The power has to change hands mm-hmm. rather like it, it won't disappear. No, but it has to change hands mm. at this point. And I feel the same way about globalization because right now it's predominantly dominated. It, sorry, that's redundant. That was redundant. It is dominated mainly by Western powers, specifically by powers that won in World War II. And reap the benefits and of reap colonialism. The benefits, not, and then plus, plus even the losers of World War II got a lot of, they got a lot of aid after World War II because they didn't want another World War I situation happening. So, I mean, that's why Japan and Germany was also able to 
um, economically, I guess, advanced so quickly, even though they were, quote, quote, the losers of World War II. By the way, I really hope that no, like, Japanese nationalists are listening to this right now because a lot of them still refuse to, refuse to uh, admit that. But that's, oh. a whole, that's a whole other tangent. Sorry. Um, what I want to say is that the globalization 1.0 has been largely in favor of certain superpowers. And globalization 2.0 would ideally um, be more deregulated, and this this sort of monopoly of power would be, or this oligarchy of power would be more distributed. Now that is a very idealistic thing for me to say because there is no like people in power just aren't they don't want to give up the power. No. Like why are there like you know in the middle of a huge COVID nineteen crisis why does America still have like three trillionaires? Like it just because it they. With those trillions of dollars, they could solve a lot of things in America, and yet... hundred billionaires. Three hundred billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no trillionaire in the world yet. I mean, like, um, like companies. Like, so like, tri- oh, trillion dollar tri- companies. Like, okay. trillion dollar companies, like, valued at a trillion dollars. So, right. um, they are, they're not going to give up their assets because why would they? There's no incentive to do that. I, ha- I have my own theories about mm-hmm. monetary policy and the, mm-hmm. the devaluation of the U.S. dollar, but mm-hmm. that's a whole okay, other tangent. Fair enough. Devalu- <laughs> devaluation of the U.S. dollar is a fair point. And also, the, like, I mean, we're all playing with monopoly money if you think about it. We like, are. It's, and I hate to say this because I don't want to trivialize the, <laughs> the, suffer- the suffering of people who are in poverty who have to worry about the dollar the next dollar that they make the next meal that they make like it's very true so it's just a very fucked up system that we're in because we're trapped in a game that doesn't have to exist but it does and therefore we have to play it which really sucks you know i think we're gonna have to do a podcast on monetary and fiscal policy sometime because that is a whole other can of worms and i have uh, like obviously both of us are very opinionated on everything <laughs> so yeah you know what on that somber note oh, it is time that to note, yeah we are over a thousand measures which is not okay because pinecast won't let us upload anything over <laughs> let me end it? the podcast Jane. <laughs> no fuck you i'm gonna have the last word <laughs> no screw you okay bye